everyone, this is Nathan Holiday, and welcome to another episode of the Gym Mastery Podcast. This is actually the first one that I'm doing, but it is the place to be for success-oriented gym owners looking for an edge. Listen to great conversations with super smart gym owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals who are changing the game. Today we have Eric LeClaire. He was the 18th affiliate in the world. Eric uh, is a U.S. Army veteran with multiple deployments under his belt. He's coached individuals and teams at the CrossFit Games level. He's also a USAW weightlifting coach and has hosted over 40 sanctioned events. He has a beautiful wife, Elise, and together they have an amazing daughter, Eleanor. You can reach Eric on Instagram at the underscore Athletics Academy, which I'll also put uh, in the episode description. So without any further delay, let's get to the show. I've known Eric since my very earliest days. He was my entry point into fitness, and we were just talking about all this stuff, uh, you know, so, sort of catching up. And um, so we just kind of want to orient ourselves. And I think one of the great things, Eric, is if you could maybe just give a rundown of your history, you know, because I mean, even I, I know a good amount, um, but I don't know sort of the origins and sort of where you came from military to like the, this, the whole story, just run us through that real quick. Awesome. Well, first of all, Nathan, thank you. I know uh, you have just recently moved. You left Southern California. Uh, you, you've gone through such amazing change, um, growth and, and development. And so this is this is great to be on your show. Like, Thanks, this is, man. Yeah, it's our, it's our first one. So I think this is a, it's fitting. Really, really good spot. Um, so um, we're originally from Southern California and uh, probably very much like you, I had a chance to kind of step away after high school and enlisted. Um, and so that journey for me was an escape from all the things that were just normal. I was seeking adventure. I was seeking travel. I was seeking a completely different life than what I was doing. I, you know, went to a, a um, like a, a private Catholic school. And so my upbringing was very regimented. It was very organized. It was very, uh, you know, focused around the word and religion. And so I thought, you know, early on, I actually just wrote about this the other day. Not many folks know this, but I was actually primed for seminary school. And I thought to myself, being of service, to my church would be so fulfilling and so meaningful until that day the recruiter walked into the high school. Staff Sergeant Teal, right? So I still remember the spit shine jump boots and the beret and stacks and stacks CIBs and patches and combat. So impressive. And he just walks in and was like, you come here, right? And so of course I'm just like, ah, oh, adventure. You know, it, it was the classic, you know, be all that you can be. I mean, that was, you can do it all. And um, it, we have, we do share some very similar, similar traits. Uh, and our journey was, of course, um, a lot of schools that developed um, real key leadership principles, schools that developed uh, grit and toughness, um, whether you're talking about land navigation at two o'clock in the morning, whether you're talking about exiting an aircraft, at a couple of thousand feet, whether you're talking about prep, but prepping and preparing for deployments. I mean, pre 9-11 Army and post 9-11 Army, two totally different worlds. And so I joined in 95 and um, 2001 and forward, that landscape was completely different. Um, 
but for the sake and, and the topic of discussion really truly that led us to be who we are today, um, I don't know if you know, but the Army has a school, a Master Fitness Trainers course or Master Fitness Trainers School. And a long time ago, it was like 28 days long and you would get orders to go to that school. And so they would take a bunch of guys that were like super pumped about fitness. And, you know, they were like, oh, you can go on orders to the school and come back and you'd be in charge of PT. Like you, now you'd be in charge of either company level PT, definitely platoon level PT, but company level PT. And oftentimes getting together and even doing battalion level. And, and PT being physical training for all you people out there. Like what's... <laughs> So, I mean, we had, it was so basic. I mean, it was 99% calisthenics, body weight, obstacle course, running, rucking. So, I mean, there was no formalized strength training that went on at, at our unit, at least, until we had a key leadership change. And I, I'll talk about that here in, in a little bit. Um, but, you know, MFT kind of opened up my eyes to coaching and really getting into understanding coaching at a group level, because really that was, you know, leading PT was coaching a group, um, you know, and you had a design and you had to assess for the weakest, slowest, all the way up to the guys that were crushing the PT test and, you know, prepping for specialty schools, uh, prepping for selection, prepping for ranger school, prepping for, you know, whatever school they were preparing for, they were off doing extracurricular work. And so you had to kind of call those guys in and get the guys up to speed that might be failing the PT test, out of shape, overweight, might have issues, you know, with tape test, you know, whatever. And so that school was a fantastic school, but it really turned me on to working on behalf of others, not just relative to fitness, but like, man, how can I help? And so kind of to fast forward, when I got back to California, there was only one airborne unit that was allowing entry for guardsmen or, you know, folks exiting active duty into the guard. And that was a long range surveillance unit that was down in Los Alamitos. And the second I showed up, it, they were going on a, a rotation to the Ukraine. And so I, I raised my hand right away. I'm like, dude, I'm going, let's go to Russia and see what it's like. <laughs> so we spent a chunk of time there and I got to know the guys and I let them know that fitness was something that I really enjoyed. And so the moment we got back, it was like, boom, you're in charge of PT, you're in charge of training, you're in charge of building curriculum. And I met a bunch of guys there that were working on behalf of like a transitional unit guys that were banged up beaten up from deployments and they were needing help coming back into the civilian world and so that was where i first cut my teeth on working with guys that weren't getting ready to go somewhere to be tough they were already tough they had gotten you know burns um ied considerations um missing limbs and so it was like dang now i gotta take fitness and I have to kind of scale it to a way that we're developing strength up here to get back into the fight and to get back into civilization. And that was the first time I really started working with the word, quote unquote, scaling. Mm. And um, all the while at home, I thought to myself, if I can do this in the army, if I could do it for the guardsmen, and, you know, for the guard units, I could do this as a job. Like I could build, I could really do this at home. And um you know, well, gosh, we're probably talking 15, 16 years ago. Now, the word CrossFit was actually introduced to me from a client as we were traveling down south to a race. And she had said, hey, uh, my work, at my work, we do this thing called CrossFit. We go to CrossFit.com and we do their workouts. Have you heard of it? And I said, of what course. What a crazy early adapter that person was. That, that, that company, who was that? Yeah, what? so it was, uh, it was Mark. Uh, and he a um he owned uh like a huge electrical warehouse of materials and goods 
And that's where they actually did their CrossFit workouts was in their back. It was like a warehouse. <laughs> it was legitimately a warehouse. And so his, one of his uh, C-level staff was one of my clients at the time because I had gotten into personal training and I had done the one-on-one and started working in the group environment. We built an outdoor, you know, an outdoor boot camp model. And all of those things was in that like, figuring out, am I going to go to school now that I'm home? Am I going to just build this business? Well, then of course that word CrossFit popped up. And then we realized the head poncho was literally right up the street in Santa Cruz. Mm. And so when you could call or email and talk to Greg and Lauren, like immediately. And so I've got an email chain back and forth to Lauren about, Hey, I'm this guy. I live down here in this Monroe and I do this boot camp, and I see on the website, you can be friends of CrossFit. And then literally there was, I think they built the affiliate model with only four or five affiliates. And so I remember she's like, oh yeah, if you have a website, we'll link you into friends of CrossFit. And so there we were, we were on the website like the next day. And then I, you know, watched a little bit more and did a little bit more of the workouts in the park and on Friday nights and, you know, got involved in my community and started to pull the boot campers into this model of training because I did what I knew, calisthenics, all, you know, body weight, some odd object lifting, but basically we're at the track, we use the field, we use the hills, we pushed and pulled vehicles, like we did all these things outdoors, and we never really brought to bear the full concept or the full application of strength and conditioning. So I kept in conversation with Lauren, and I said, look, I think I want to go and open up a little building, like I want to have a little space and make it a private strength and conditioning place and offer CrossFit at it. And she said, Fantastic. Um, would you like to be an affiliate? And of course, my email was like, well, what's an affiliate? I don't even know what that is. And she goes, well, we don't know either. So you can charge, we'll charge you $500. Uh, you can make the check out here. It's funny, I was going to pull up the email today and share it with you. Um, but she says, and then we'll move you from friends of CrossFit to affiliate. Um, and you can still do the boot camp, and you can train your clients inside and we would just love to have you. It's great to spread this model around. That what, was, what year was that? Like when, when, and what, what affiliate number were you? Uh, I think we were 18. We were, 18. We were eight, 18 or 19, somewhere around there. And that was um, like June or July of 06, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, That's crazy. And that was the building you walked into because you were doing jujitsu less than a year later with Freddie next door. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, where I came in. Um, I just, I remember I learned everything I knew about like command and control of groups, uh, standards, all of the things, progressions. Um, Those were the real early days where things really hadn't changed. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, and they were like that for a number of a good number of years because there's this swell of people that then start doing CrossFit. But if you look at the very original stuff, I mean, it was so systemized and it was all of the details in terms of virtuosity and all those things were, it was a much different game, you know? And it's just crazy to look back and see how, how things have changed over the years in so many different ways. Right. You know, and so you, so you opened up, your spot. And then I came, I I came in 2008. So it was, must've been a year and a half or two years after you had opened. Um, And I remember just walking in and just being like, I want (laughs) to, I think you showed up within, well, it had to have been within six months because remember we moved across the alleyway to Mm -hmm. the other building. So we call that, we call that little building TCA 1.0. 
Um, by the time we moved into TCA 2.0, which was for those that are listening, we just, we literally went for a run one day and realized that there was a building available on the other side of the block. So I called on that building and the owner was like, absolutely. I know you, I know that you've been in that building for a couple of years. I like what you're doing. I'm guessing you just need more space. Right. And so he gave me the backyard, the building, some parking, which was great. And so what did we do? Saturday morning, everyone came to the gym for the workout and we picked everything up. We moved it across the alleyway. We put it down in the new building. And I think really in that 2.0, CCA 2.0, you really got uh, to coach. I mean, you really got out there. You started building specialty programs. You started getting involved with specialty curriculum. You wanted to design programming. Like I knew early on that, you know, the classic role of here's a group, instruct a group based off of the programming that was set forth by the affiliate. I knew you were like, there's more, there's always more you can do, right? And so seminars, specialty curriculum, a little bit of one-on-ones, but definitely lecture series. Um, you want like, I think your, your mind opened up and you were like, dude, the sky yeah, that was around, you know, in those days, then the the invitational started, you know, and, but something that I was always, I remember watching you, uh, we were at like a, a get together somewhere, it was a boot camp sort of an right. award ceremony, I think. And there was, I don't know how many people were there, there must have been like a over 100 people it was packed. And I remember watching you, uh, basically, you were not giving a speech, but you were like sort of giving the awards and talking in front of everybody. And I remember just being like odd, like, damn, I wish I could, like, I can't wait until I can do that or be able to do that. You know, it's, but it's yeah. just this, this memory that I have. You know, I, I really, one, thank you for recognizing that because I think many of the lessons, at least that I was able to take away from my time in the army was that there was, there was time to put in hard work. And then oftentimes really good leaders. I mean, if you think about it, fast forward to today, you talk about powerful moments and recognizing powerful moments and pouring back into the client, the accolade and so on. When we had that outdoor bootcamp program, it was cyclical, meaning we had a definitive start date and a definitive end date. And that definitive end date was always a community gathering, a massive event that was celebratory of the entire group. And so just like we would write citations in the army for you know, Army Achievement Medals or ARCOMs or like whatever it is, I was in the mindset of like, I knew how to counsel soldiers and I knew how to write awards for soldiers. So I was like, I'm going to write awards for my guys because they ran their first five miles or they, they, um, they ran the first Mount Wilson trail race, or they did the first of, they did a hundred pushups in a workout. So I just took their achievements, wrote them in how I knew, and then presented them as if we were at like a battalion party or a company party, or, you know, we were celebrating coming home from a deployment. And, you know, the, the command sergeant major was up there speaking on behalf of like the good deeds totally. done. We did the mission. And it's like, dude, I watched my old PLs and my old pursuit sergeants so sometimes break down in tears when talking about the, the valor of men and the ability to give for some the ultimate, like when you hear those awards read for men that didn't come home, it breaks your heart. So I'm like, how can I make our folk? How can I a recognize their achievements and b uh, celebrate those powerful moments? And so I, those those gatherings were my practice. Of you know, 
as you're talking, like there's gotta be like in, embedded the examples that from you and from everything. Cause I remember in that, that video, we we're just talking about that 2007 video with the thing in that video, like around 50 seconds, you talk about a level system. You, you, you're talking about, yeah, we adapt the level system and we did all this sort of stuff. And so, you know, there's definitely a lot to it because the way level method is now, it's really built around these fundamental things right. and something specifically about like your community. I think anybody who was around in the years that you were owning and operating a gym knows how loyal and how the following, you know, the TCA following was, the community was very, very strong. And, um, you know, there are probably some gym owners listening that are interested in, you know, building community. What, like, what do you think is the biggest lessons or the most important things when it comes to, you know, cultivating, creating, keeping um, a big community that are that are raving fans. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with what I mean, presenting like that creates that. But what do you think? Do you have anything off the top of your head that comes to mind? So to be honest, I think the bridge of success comes not just from what you do in the gym, but how you cultivate the community outside of the gym. If you think back to those days, we were constantly having outdoor gatherings. We were constantly having graduations. We did a lot of outdoor activities that would, you know, cram people together in a restaurant um, at a local 5K. We did a ton of charity organizations. We were, I know, of our own accord, we were out there for a reason. Um, this is going to sound funny, but suffering together as a team and then celebrating the accomplishment of the team as one, right? So it wasn't just this. Uh, as a singular person, I go to a gym, I do a workout, I go home. It's no way. The word team was infused as the very first word of the company, team CrossFit Academy, because I wanted both the coaching staff and the team members to feel like one family. And so you've been a part of, you know, you go to the 5K and there's 150 of us. You go to the Mount Wilson Trail Race and there's 120 of us. You go to any of the graduations. There's, there's like a sea of red. <laughs> right. So same thing. And then, you know, we would celebrate the major accomplishments of our, you know, let's say our top 10%. And we were much like you, cause you could reflect back to, you know, the, um, God, it wasn't even the open, but like you look at invitational or you look at regionals and you look at what those used to be. And that was huge when the person, you know, from your gym was doing something amazing. Right. So in 11, when Donna went to the games, it was, Donna didn't go to the games. Donna was right place, right time. Masters was just new. And she was an excellent representation of being able to do that in her 60s. And everyone got behind that. So we had this groundswell of, oh my God, that person is from our little gym in our little city. We're going to rally behind this. Mm -hmm. And we rode that wave for years, years and years. So to, to say, to, to, to cut it short and simply say, it's, it's to truly create a team aspect and celebrate wins a lot and celebrate it outside of your gym. Barbecues, beach trips, you were there, we played Hoover ball on the beach. I mean, you have to go out and do the things above and beyond right. coaching. It's not just coach the class, go home. 
At Level Method, we're constantly searching for ways to make your life as a gym owner easier. And that's why we created our social media service that makes you look like you're putting in tons of hours or paying someone an arm and a leg. Get six professional themed text and image posts each week, four weeks at a time. Check out levelmethod.com social for more info. Yeah, and it's like you, you had mentioned something like suffering together and then this sort of closing the loop of the experience with like, when you think about rituals, you know, it's a very ritual process. Like there's a big time of suffering and then you come back and then there's the banquet and like everyone gets to have, you know, they, you're closing these loops. So I think that that's, that's something that's really important for people in general and also feeling like they're involved with something bigger than themselves. Yes, I mean, to, uh, we're probably going to jump back and forth in time in our conversations, but that was probably one of the most valuable takeaways for me from the level method was that it was, of course, God, you and I could talk about levels since back in early. Right. Back, it was a gamified, strategic, and celebrated. Here is your certificate. Congratulations. The whole, you know, Jim is clapping and celebrating those accomplishments. I foresaw that same kind of celebratory Friday night is dinner at this major banquet hall. We're going to get together, you know, fast forward, fast forward. Here are our purples. Here are our blues. Here are our yellows. Here, you know, and, right. you know, specialty awards to those that are bridging from yellow to orange because they're the newer people and they are shown the way, like, this is how we do the process. And when you get to purple, like, man. That is how that experience goes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, <clears throat> systemizing that stuff is, is really tough. But when you think about if you know the structure of something, so you kind of know the formula that needs to happen, the mechanism that we're, we're hitting it with doesn't I mean we can hit it in different ways, right? So it might be a big dinner or it might be whatever the thing is, but we're still closing the loops in whatever way we can. So it's like the, the fundamental things stay the same. And I think that's really important, you know, when you, cause you're, you're like examples now, like all the banquet and stuff because of COVID and all that. So, but it's the concept behind it. Right. And so what are the equivalent ways that you can do that, that you can make people feel real special and all those sorts of things that are, that's the, you know, the cornerstone of what we're really doing as it's relationships. Right. And it's consistently like, that's also a really good, uh, something that you were really good at um, is, you know, making people feel special. Right. I think that that's something like it would be a private conversation it would be a, let me put my arm around you, take you over here and, and tell you something that, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be appropriate in the big thing because it, it was a private comment, but it was so impactful and meaningful. Um, and so what do you think about those sorts of, those sorts of things? Because I think that like, when you're looking at relationships and you're looking like in a gym environment or in client with clients at all, sometimes we forget that making the connection is, is, you know, that's the name of the game, right? And I thought that you were always really good at that. So any thoughts on that? No, 100%, you're 100% spot on. And there's, it, it's, there's two jobs going on at the exact same time. Let's just use the group environment. There's the group environment where there's management and there's, you know, order and organization, but then there's also individualization on what needs to be done from a safety standpoint, but then also from that social, like intellectual standpoint, we know 
that where that language tone and you know you you can command the group but yet certain language only gets through to certain people so if you know that that one woman or that one guy needs something special that's the moment to connect and so i will always tell the coaches in our classes find the moment or create the moment mm. and in that moment it's either a celebration or a correction and mm. oftentimes in the coaching role there's a it's, it's a correction but you go over and the fact that you can use their name pay attention to their needs, identify the concern or the correction, provide them immediate feedback, and then celebrate it, like those five things, they walk away being in a 60-minute in a environment, feeling as though they got individualized attention because they did, right? And so if you can do that two or three times in that group environment, you've connected. You've not dropped the ball, you know? It's not the cheerleader who turns around, writes the workout, sets the clock, puts on the timer, you know, whatever, and then just zones out in the corner and just watches, you know, and yells from the sideline, you know, that's not... <laughs> yeah, with the coffee. Well, oh, I've had plenty of coffee mornings. That's for sure. I mean, they have the coffee right up in your face. When you talk. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And that's the key is connections, connections. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, when you're looking at having a, a big group of people, um, it can be very easy to forget, forget individuals, you know, you can just kind of forget that they have their own things they're worried about, they've got all of their own stuff. Uh, and if you can empathize and connect, you know, it's always a, it's always, it's the subtler sides of coaching. It's that relationship side that I think some people uh, don't really put too much emphasis on. Um, right. Another, another when I think about Eric LeClaire, you know, I think of there are some things that pop in my mind. Um, and one of the big words is standards, right? Standards in general, whether it's, it's movement standards, it's holding a standard, it's doing things um, in the right way, because this is the way it should be done. Like we're looking at SOPs or whatever those things. And it makes sense, right? Because we both have a military background and it makes sense that we're both sort of, we both like that aspect. Um, I, so the question would be like, when it comes to standards, or like, you know, what, what do you think about, you know, when you're looking at individual, uh, either from a from a um, individual level, like so movement standards, or from an operational level, how do you look at the whole world of, of not only ownership, but just professional and holding the standard in general? So I two ways we can go. I can have a reflection on myself and maybe I'll save that for the last part, but from a business standpoint, go back to some of like one of Greg's earliest sentences uh, reflecting on the CrossFit brand, measurable, observable, repeatable. Hmm. Measurable, observable, repeatable is critical in that we're in the, we're in the business of moving people forward, creating stress to drive a specific adaptation. And so if we are willy-nilly about it if we don't have some rigidity in let's say our application in our testing protocols and we aren't able to repeat it i can't then turn around and say it is successful because oh gosh i don't know why uh, it's successful because it's successful i don't know it right? feels like it it look you looked like you're fitter or you felt like you were fitter or you thought you were stronger like i want to take away as much subjectivity and I want to get rid of the ambiguity. And I don't want to live in that world of, gosh, I don't know. 
Because honestly, I never want to have to look at the client and say, I have no clue how to help you. What I can say is, if I'm uncertain, let's figure it out together. But we've got to be regimented in the way with which we approach it, because if it works, we now to be able to build on something. Right. I mean, we go back to the original coaching days and you're just like black box theory, throw some stuff right, right. in, <laughs> stuff comes out. You're like, shit, what happened inside that box? You know, what's great? That's the magic in the box. Well, okay, cool. But I want to know what's in the box. Right, right. right? Um, but then also a caveat to it is my other role in coaching, both in track and field and, and cross country is absolute. It is on the clock. And so standards are, uh, how you select teams are very objective. And I, I will use this small story. Um, the varsity team for cross country is a selection based specifically on time standards. And so your varsity runners could actually be comprised of lower classmen who are running on the varsity squad and flip-flop you could have seniors who didn't make the varsity squad for a specific race and so i would have some parents really upset that i didn't have their son or their daughter running varsity and i just would open up the binder and say here's why they failed to meet the standard they're not fast enough and oh my god you tell a parent the student is not fast enough you either better be ready to be called in the director's office or you know face this barrage of getting screamed at but you know you and I have been screamed out all our, our lives. So, yeah. but I'm very black and white. I think there's, there is gray, there's nuance and there's, that's where the, the coaching relationship is in understanding the nuance, but standards come so that it's measurable, observable, and repeatable and that we can move our clients forward. It's why the map was so impressive to me. Cause I was like, you just made my job so much easier. Now I just point and go, because the block says so. Right, okay? right. Get out of my face. And that can be, I mean, that's uh that objectivity can be so helpful, right. You know, in so many ways. And like what we say, like when we're looking at white and yellow, orange level athletes, there's a little bit of, yeah, there's like a little bit of leeway. Like I I'm looking more like at the white level. I'm just, I'm going to be a lot more lenient in a lot right. of ways. But right. then when we, when you start to move up in this and you start to be looking at like, oh, this is a stamp for me to be super proud of. I've achieved this black standard or whatever. In order to keep the value of it, you got to keep the standards high. Otherwise, the value drops and then we just get a bunch of murkiness and then nothing really even goes. And this is sort of plays into this idea, uh, you know, quantification and knowing uh, where we're going, what we're doing. And it, it just got me thinking about planning, right? So oh. we were talking about uh, on Instagram, I think I had written something about planning and you had written um, that that was really how you were able to make a lot of the things that were dreams into reality. So when, when we think about planning, the, the reason this connects with like the map or whatever we're doing is we, we get these standards, these measurements, and then we make a plan. But, but unless we can quantify sort of and be able to tell where things are, what the hell are we doing here? It's not going to work. But life is that same way. So it was uh, it, the post I did was about just, you know, having areas of your life that you want to kind of be thinking about and then looking to your future and saying to yourself, okay, what do I want to do? What's my, what's my desired outcome or the vision that I have? And then sort of quantifying the elements of that stuff and then backtracking to where you are now. So, you know, fast forwarding now, we sort of went to the early times of, of CrossFit in the early days. I came on board in 2008. 
went, we went through a whole bunch of different stuff through many years. We had the NLI. I ended up, up opening my gym in 2012, then 2016 level method came in. And so through this time, you have morphed and evolved. You've started a family. There's a, there's a lot of differences. You have different, um, a different vision. And so walk us through sort of like the transition, just from, from the perspective of like the lessons learned, right? So it's like you had a gym and then you had to, you had to figure out a way to navigate yourself. And so what did that whole thing look like and what were the challenges and what did you learn? So this is, this might be awkward, I think, for a lot of folks to kind of think through because we started very young and we started very single. Today, I am not young, I am not single, and I'm a dad, right? And so two totally different worlds. I, you know, I wrote a post last night about my daughter, about being a safe place for her to land when she's hurt or when she needs me, but then at the same time, to also be her armor and her protector mm-hmm. and show her the way like through life, how to be, how to, you know, how to fight, but how to fight, like how to protect herself and move forward. So I'll come back to my daughter in a second, going from TCA uh, 1.0 to then 2.0 to then 3.0 really was a change in uh, ownership, leadership and management style. And so you moved twice, you moved locations two separate times. You brought the entire community because there's going to, you know, that this is a common thing and navigating that whole it can be complicated. We went from, uh, when you walked in the door, we were in an 1800 square foot spot. We moved next door to a 5,000 plus the outside was about another three. So let's say 8,000 square foot. And then we moved into the big building that was 15,000 square feet. So some might say, well, shit, Eric, that's the error. You just went too wide, too big, fast. But we went into that building in 2012, the 15,000 square foot in 2012. And I sold in 2019. So we still had seven years in that building. And um, the challenges, I woke up real fast to recognizing that the staff development and the staff recruitment and the care and compassion in developing the team mattered more for the success long-term of the company than just the recruitment and the retention of the clientele. Because the recruitment and the clientele, the clients are always going to be there. But if I was going to be in a different position, Then it was, I mean, think back to day one, right? It was me doing generally everything with a little bit of help from one other coach and then one other weightlifting coach. Fast forward in, in 13 years of work, we probably had about 20 coaches that rotated through and some stayed on the whole time. Others went off to school, others moved away, others built their own facilities. They, you know, churn is just naturally there no matter what. So I had to learn more about internal growth management operations procedures like running running the real business versus hey i'm a coach i have this thing called crossfit shit what's this thing i gotta now make this thing real it's got to have its own legs it's got to have its own systems and processes in place when once that was established then i could pull out and look around and go man i like this now let's start refining refining and refining i think that's actually where we reconnected after in about like late 16, early 17 mm-hmm. with level method, you were like, Hey, I've, I've got this project. So I, I'll come to that. I was at a spot where I was like, from a management standpoint, the place was clicking. Obviously we were financially stable. Uh, growth was happening. Coaches were coming on board. So I could look out and go, how do we get better? 
How do we, what, what do we bring in or what do we build that will be better? And it's always about that looking forward. How can I just make this process better? Not to say that I didn't make a lot of errors. I, you and I both know, um, level method aside, I've lost clients because of my attitude. I've lost clients because of my standards. I've lost clients because of my ego and my rigidity. And it's my gym and we're going to do it my way. There were clients that were like, fine, do it your way. I'll see you later. You know, and they go, they leave, you know? So <clears throat> by 2013, um, I had come out of a relationship and was starting a new relationship. And that new relationship, laughingly, date number one wasn't about touchy-feely, oh, this is cute. Date number one was, what do you think about marriage? What do you think about kids? What are your politics? What is your religion? Are you interested in getting, like, dude, it was so matter of- <laughs> I like an application. None, right? We're getting to it. And so by 2013, I was married. Um, I knew it. And I knew from like date number one that this was going to be it. Like, super serious. So that was a huge leadership role because now it wasn't just me in charge of the gym and then win, lose, or draw, it only affected me. Now win, lose, or draw, it affected my family. Right. And then fast forward through that, the story becomes we wanted to get pregnant. Um, my wife is unable to carry a child to full birth. So we struggled for a good chunk of time. Um, lost a bunch of kids in the way. And I, I don't say that lightly because it was heart gut wrenching and, and very challenging. You know, my wife is a competitor and she wants to be the best. She's a competitive swimmer. She's a competitive weightlifter. She's a competitive crossfitter, but she really wanted to be mom. Hmm. And so she really had a hard time through that. And when we ended up becoming successful, now I have a daughter. And so it was like becoming these different, wearing these different hats made me look at the business by saying, I've built this thing to be an amazing community and a vehicle by which I can earn the next step in life, which by, for us, that meant um, preparing the gym to sell, preparing our home, which we purchased and renovated to sell all for us to be able to package that up and realize our true vision. We're moving out of state. And so we're, we're five and a half months out from doing that. Um, we would have been faster, but obviously COVID supply chain has slowed down new construction out of state. Um, and for those that don't know, we have another son, well, not another son, we have another kid being born, a son in, in like five weeks. Um, Congrats, also, man. Also, Ferguson. Um, and so that first round didn't go so well. So our original surrogate was unable to be successful. So we have to wait in California and do it again. So we could have, we talked about Tennessee like a year ago, like it was going to happen like that. But, you know, life has different plans. The Level Method helps keep regular folks interested in their fitness for longer because we can show them a specific path and then help them steadily reach their goals safely. It's a total game changer that creates powerful moments they'll never forget. Go to levelmethod.com to find out more. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's something to be said about being okay with knowing what you want, right? And knowing the direction might not be what the current reality is and assessing and then having the confidence to move in the right direction and consistently have the actions in place. 
but to know what the right actions are and to know the direction, you've got to know the outcome, right? You've got to know what the what that result is. And I think seeing that, right, seeing you map it out and then actually go through is just a representation of a lot of the skills and the things that you learned and developed through years and years of gym ownership. And I think, you know, entrepreneurship in general is, I mean, how good, how, can you find a better tool to to sort of train yourself on how to deal with things and to be competent in a wide range of things and to be able to have control over your destiny, you know? And it's like, you take those lessons and you can apply them to whatever you want. You know, it's very, very cool stuff. Well, you made that, you made that analogy a little bit ago where you're like, hey, here's where we're trying to go. We're trying to get to, let's work backwards from there. That's the coaching role when you know, you're sitting down and you're developing curriculum for someone or an individual design or program, you know, supplemental programming, you know, we can use the map as the example, like, hey, I'm really focused on attaining blue in any one specific pattern, but yet here I am, what are my limiting factors? Paint the picture backwards, here's the program, go, right? Now, the life, whether you wanna talk about getting out of debt or you wanna talk about purchasing land or purchasing home, or you know, for some people we know they purchased their first RV and they're driving across the country and who knows where they'll land. You know? right. In a very similar vein, you did the same thing. You're like, hey, this is where I am today with the gym and this is where I am today with Level Method and here's where I am in the place that I call home, but yet here's where I wanna be and go and do. And so you had to put that out there and then walk backwards from every, I mean, you, you get it, owning gyms, right? There's layers of finance, there's layers of term. Like, I remember when you left, you got a pretty fat bill from your landlord, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What is this? Yeah, you, you know, can't, you can't, you can't plan for any of that stuff, you know? It shows up, stuff just shows up, you know? Did Elise and I anticipate failing and, and losing so much? I mean, we own the gym. We bought the house, we did the renovation, and we had in total 11 lost children. All That's insane, in dude. Right? And so you, you say to yourself, because I, I got into this argument one time with someone, and I, I wanted to reach out through Facebook and strangle him because it's, <laughs> um, oh, well, you only lost, the, the miscarriage was only at week four. And I'm like, do you, do, you, do you want to see my wife right now who's crying on the floor because of it? Do you want to tell her that? You know, so there was the social aspect. There was the family aspect. There was the financial aspect. There was, you know, oh, hey, by the way, get up and go coach 5 a.m. and go coach 6 a.m. Put on the red shirt and smile and right. just focus. And things are just rough. Mean, you know, so, but we fought through it. You know, just and it's like one of the things when you think about a massive challenge like that, right? Like life, there's no way to know what we're going to have gone through in 10 years from now. Like there's so many things, but what we can do is we can create that vision of what we want. Yep. And then as we maneuver through life and there's a ton of things that come and try to derail us, if we have that clear vision, then yep. we can stay and stick to moving in the right direction. It's like using land navigation as an example, right? It's like you're, you're hit, you're, you see where you've got to go and you can, you can look down for a while and kind of walk around, but you better kind of orient yourself to where you want to go. Otherwise, you're going to be lost in time, you know? Station. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Um, so we talked about, you know, the early days and sort of now 
you know, all the lead up to where you are now. And now, so what's going on day to day with you? So what do you spend your time doing? And, and um, I know you're with push press now. And so you're working with gyms and you're, you do uh, in the trenches. So you're also talking to a lot of people. Tell us a little bit about what your, what your life is like now. So uh, for the longest time, one of the owners of push press, the best gym management software, by the way, uh, one of the owners was a client of ours up in Monrovia, and he knew that, I, that my time was coming to an end as, in, in an ownership capacity. And they were in a, in a moment of time where they were picking up employees that were former gym owners, and they wanted to use that experience um, contextually uh, from an experience standpoint to kind of bolster the service that they can provide for gym owners. They wanted the color, the context, they wanted the ability to not just be a data package, a software platform, but to have the rich experience of gym owners. And so um, Brian reached out and was like, you know, he said something very similar to what you said. He goes, man, I want to be able to provide the knowledge, the direction, and the, like the assistance to our gym owners. I've been to your graduations. I've been to your events. I've been a part of your gym for years. I love what you do at the community level. The culture is amazing. I want to wrap that up in a package and I want to either sell it to gym owners or provide the education as a platform. And I want push press to be the, you know, the conduit with which you can share that. And so, um, you know, we look at it by saying in the gym space, it's one to few, you know, in a coaching environment, it's one to one or one to few now working with gym owners. It's like the conduit goes to the gym owner and then bang out to all right. of it's a, it's a big leverage. Exactly. And so we beta tested a handful of different projects and tried to get folks um, moving in the direction of sharing that exact same, like I, I did, I pulled a lot of lessons from Level Method and tried to share as much of the content. Time-wise, COVID strikes, uh, March of last year, and we shut down a lot of our external facing group community-based models of education because nobody was, nobody would, I mean, right. gyms were and nobody was getting together for barbecues, adventure races. I mean, people were like undergrounding even weddings. So they're like, no one was interested in, you know, what we were planning. Yeah. So we pivot quick. Um, one of my teammates was also on the front end writing um, like SOP development, financial oversight, like all the front end stuff. And even that program was like, we got to turn that off real quick. Let's pivot. We're going to plug you guys into two different segments. So I'm on the marketing team today. Um, that still allows for me to connect with gym owners. Uh, we brought up, you brought up in the trenches, that podcast was, it was this, the design was simply, I'm going to reach into my, um, my network of good friends, quality coaches, good leaders, and try to extrapolate lessons to turn around and digitally beam out to gym owners. Because if you think about it last year, gym owners were either shut down or severely impacted. And so our viewership was huge because everybody was just like, at home, watching, right. eating, learning, taking classes on courses. And so we're like, dude, now's the time. Let's get best practices out there. And so it, it layered through little bits of COVID. You know, what were you doing? How is it affecting your gym? How are you pivoting? What are you doing now? Did you change offerings and services? How's your marketing? Like, da, da, da. so we, you know, we're 52, 53 episodes in now um, with Marcus Gersey just being the last one on Wednesday. And so you were an early um, guest on that podcast. You got a chance to share a ton of insightful information. 
Um, and so from a marketing standpoint, you know, we get a chance to work on the social, the, all the social front facing content. And from a lead magnet standpoint, we're looking for, you know, future gym owners, new gym owners, folks that, um, they simply want to be aligned with great product, um, and have the tech stack to help them win. Uh, we've got a few secret projects that are going on that are sort of in their beta. Um, but it's been fantastic. It's been fantastic. As a gym, you don't want to get lumped in with the bottom of the barrel. You must stand out from the crowd and deliver real value. And the Level Method gives you a clear way to show prospects and clients how you're different from all the other gyms out there and what it means to them. Go to levelmethod.com to find out more. Yeah, I think uh, the, the ability for a gym owner to have all the tools that they need in a single thing to have the concepts that they need. Uh, that's, it, it's exactly what everybody is looking for. They're looking for something that is going to uh, make a difference, like give some leverage. When you think about leverage in general, um, it's really all about saving time, right? Like how do I save time? How do I use other people's experience? So I don't have to take so long to go through a whole bunch of stuff to learn all the things in the world. So then I can figure out what's really good. Instead, you have somebody who's already done that and then they just kind of share it, you know, and that's one thing with level method too. We're always thinking like, how do we accelerate people's learning? How do we save them time? How do we give them tools that help them make more money faster? It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's crazy when you think about, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, there was zero, Right. Oh, yeah. It was just like, figure it out. Yep. I probably came at it as like negative 15 and just getting to zero took that first couple of years. I mean, Jesus, we look back and go, how many mistakes, how many, you know, a thousand, 10,000. Yeah. And I think that that's with gym owners, entrepreneurs, anybody who's looking to improve something that took me a long time to understand was that, you can learn from all sorts of sources. You can get little bits from all, but you got to keep your mind open. And if you don't do that, then you're cutting yourself off from a lot of development um, opportunities, little things that you can take from something that doesn't seem directly applicable to what you're working on. You know, um, and you know, speaking of accelerating advice, uh, this is might be a hard question. Um, or it might not be, but it's basically, if you were going to talk to yourself 10 years ago, and it, I get, it, it also depends in what capacity, right? So you can talk to different versions of yourself, but general advice, this would be more on like a high level life or high level philosophy, guiding principle for how I'm going to approach potential challenges you know, um, things that might come up that I'm not expecting. Uh, do you have anything in your mind that pops out when it comes to talking to yourself 10 years ago and so what you would say? Younger Eric was exceptionally impatient and exceptionally ego-driven. So I would probably have a very stern conversation with that young man about nowadays it's the fear of missing out. But back then it was the fear of getting it wrong or fear of getting beat. Right. Mm -hmm. So not, not beat. So 
you were the athlete. I was not the athlete. I was the gym owner thinking to myself, if I don't execute now, the next gym is going to beat me to the punch. I better go. Right. So always on the, the precipice of the next thing, learning, reading, trying, figuring out, tinkering, tinkering, rushing, rushing, always. Whereas now I can sit back and think to myself, slow down. It doesn't need to be now. Assess, right? You say, obviously, all the way across the board. Um, the, the thing about assessment is it takes the time to assess correctly before we build a program for someone. And if I would have just slowed down, we would have built a completely different and I would think much better product, really much better product. And then, yeah, I think, I mean, there's something to be said in order to have the, so if you were going to do it all again, right now, you think <laughs> about, right. Like think about how much different it would be, but it took that experience sort right. of to get now to that point. Like it's impossible unless you have, a mentor, you have somebody on your side, you have somebody who has done those things. And I think that's a big selling point for mentorship in general, of finding people that have been successful. Otherwise, it, you're going to pave your way, right? The rugged individualist of the entrepreneur, I'm going to freaking go out there and I'm going to do it. And the problem becomes that you got to learn it. And as you're learning it, you've got to be able to discern between what's good and what's bad and then make the decision of doing what's good, but you don't necessarily know. So you do what's bad for like six months before you realize you come back, you know, and it's a, uh, it's a, it's a pretty funny, it's a pretty funny thing when you think about it. Um, I know that we're not the only gym owners that have gone down that road. I mean, we've seen it hundreds, if not thousands of times all around the country, if not all around the world, folks going through this exact same piece. Yeah. What's, and what's funny is even with like, there's, you can accelerate, right? You can accelerate it, but you can't skip out on the work. Right. It's like, so you can be helped along the way, but you're still going to hit challenges and make, there's going to be failures. And, and that's the whole deal of, of then having unlimited upside of owning your own business or working, you know, professional, having clients, having unlimited amount of clients doing a virtual program, whatever the things are, it's like, you know, that's a, it's just a, there's so much to it when you really think about it. Um, I could probably, I probably, if you asked me 10 things, I probably have 10 things I talked to myself about, but man, patience and ego, two biggest ones. Well, I think that's a, a great place to stop. I want to thank you, man, for spending time with me and running through some great memories. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of nice to, to reflect on just how long it's been and how many iterations of different things we've gone through and how that really is the natural uh, that's the state, that's the pathway of growth. Right. And I think that's really important. So I just want to thank you, man. Uh, and thanks for being on the show with me. Absolutely, man. Thank you for taking your time out and reaching out. And I sincerely appreciate from day one, the friendship, uh, the guidance, the mentorship, and it's just been great. Thanks. Been really man. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Gym Mastery Podcast. If you know someone who might like it, please share it with them. And if you're a gym owner wondering about the level method, uh, in a nutshell, it's a step-by-step -step fitness progression system that's fun, engaging, and easy to use so that regular folks in your gym can reach their fitness goals safer and faster than ever before and become raving fans of your gym. If that sounds interesting, please go to levelmethod.com to get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.